Hey friends, welcome to The Drivecast, a daily podcast walking through the Bible to help us read it in, pray it up, and live it out. My name's Dan, and I serve as the teaching pastor for our Worthington campus. Today we're looking at Revelation 16, verses 17 through 21. I'll read the passage, and then we'll get started. Revelation 16, starting in verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, pearls of thunder, and great earthquakes such as had never been since man was on the earth. So great was the earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities and the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away. No mountains were to be found. Great hailstones fell, about 100 pounds each, from heaven on people. And they cursed God for the plague, the hail, because the plague was so severe. Well, we're finally into the last judgment sequence in the book of Revelation. We have looked at, over the last many weeks, the seven seals of judgment, the seven trumpets of judgment, and now this is the seventh bowl of seven bowl judgments. And when you look at these different judgment cycles in the book of Revelation, one of the things we recognize is that these are not necessarily describing all different events, but they are describing the same seven events from three different perspectives with more depth, more clarity each time we get there. And I think in this final sequence, we really have to wrestle again with this idea of God's judgment. Judgment really is a bizarre category for us to think about. Because on the one hand, We are naturally uncomfortable with the idea of God's judgment. We don't want uh, a heavenly father who uh, has wrath. We want something more like a heavenly grandfather or great-grandfather who is a bit more laissez-faire with the uh, impact of humanity and the, the doings of people here on earth. Someone who maybe is a bit more removed, who doesn't take things so seriously. And that is often what this image of judgment conjures in our own hearts and minds of a God who is just angry and finally reaches his boiling point with humanity. And yet at the same time, while we have all of this uncomfortableness with the idea of God's judgment, we also live in a cultural moment where we are desperate for justice. In fact, this is one of the loudest cries we see across our entire culture, a thirst and cry for justice. What we have to see is that we don't have to pick and choose between judgment or justice. The biblical picture of judgment includes justice. The biblical picture of justice includes judgment. We need both of them. See, our tendency is to want to have justice without judgment. That feels more palatable. It feels more loving. And the thought works like this. And I kind of understand it, uh, that if God really is all loving, We want him to just openly forgive and move on. And if he does that, then, you know, we don't have to deal with any of this baggage about 
hell or judgment or wrath. He can just be forgiving. He can he can get his justice uh, on his own terms, how he wants to do it, and we, we can all move on. We're fine. And yet what we find so often is that justice without judgment really is an arbitrary character, isn't it? What does it even mean to have justice without judgment? In effect, what it says is we're asking God to not really care about the real evil and injustice that we see in the world. We're asking him to just turn around and pretend like it doesn't exist, that we haven't been impacted by it. You see, what God's judgment shows us is far from him flying off the handle. It shows us that God takes injustice. He takes wickedness and evil. He takes it far more seriously than any of us do. In fact, uh, you might say it this way. God cares more about justice than any of us ever could. And friends, what we have to see is that this mingling of justice and judgment together is perfectly pictured in the cross of Christ where Jesus lovingly and willingly steps down into our place to receive the fullness of God's wrath. You see, God just doesn't decide in forgiveness to turn a blind eye to the evil of this world, both the things that we have done and the things that we have had done to us. He doesn't just pretend that they don't exist. There is a cost. There is a guilt associated with this. And all of that It's not just left by the wayside. It is applied to Jesus who stands willingly, lovingly under the full wrath of the Father. He receives the judgment that we deserve. And justice, true justice, is preserved. You see, when we read passages like Revelation 16, and the final judgment, it reminds us that ultimately we look forward to the day when God says he will do something once and for all about the evil and injustice in the world around us. The problem is that that doesn't just include things that happen around us. That includes the evil and injustice that takes its root in our own hearts and minds. And so while we look to Revelation 16, we also are reminded uh, that we need to look to the cross of Jesus. We're at that place for our own sin, for our own injustice that we've been a part of. We find true forgiveness. We find healing at the cross. Let's take a moment to pray it up. In verse 17, we heard these words reminiscent of the work of Jesus where the angel uh, hears, it is done. Let's take a moment to uh, remember Jesus' final words on the cross, it is finished. Let's thank God for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, for the judgment that he uh, has laid on Jesus instead of us.
and now specifically to those of you who are enduring through a season of injustice where you have been harmed, where you have been hurt. Let's take a moment to remember that there will be a day coming when God makes all things right, where he rights every wrong that we have experienced. You see, his judgment reminds us that he sees, knows, and cares about the suffering of his people. now let's remember to live it out. We don't just want to be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. Friends, this longing that we have for justice inside of us is something implanted in us by our Heavenly Father. And Jesus affirms this desire even in the Beatitudes when he says, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In the original language, the word for justice and righteousness are exactly the same. There should be a thirst for justice that exists deep within each and every one of us. Let's remember God's concern for justice propels us into spaces and places of injustice in the world around us. Where might he be sending you to be an agent of justice in a world of chaos? Is there something that you need to step into, some situation, some uh, ministry you need to engage in in your community to serve and uh, counteract the injustice that so often takes root in our communities? Friends, thanks for tuning in to the Drivecast. We'll see you back here next week.